Hi, friends, and welcome to All Things Relatable, a place where stories are shared. It's hard to put a value on a story because the lasting effects it can have are often priceless. An individual's story has the potential to impact our lives in tremendous ways. My hope for you in joining me today is that this episode resonates with you and that you leave enlightened, ignited, and inspired because it only takes one moment to spark a change and leave an everlasting effect. My next guest, Dr. Betsy Guerra, has experienced a parent's most excruciating pain. In a swimming accident in 2013, Betsy tragically lost her daughter. As she was flooded with grief and loss and the suffering, Betsy made the decision that she was not going to be the parent who was deeply suffering years and decades later, but that she was going to create her own path forward, one that was rooted in hope. Betsy found a way to experience happiness again. And what really surprised me is that she said she's a better version of herself today and is living happier than she was before this tragic accident. Betsy is now helping others overcome suffering using the faith method that she's created. Betsy is an author, a keynote speaker, a bilingual licensed psychotherapist, and she is a coaching, has a coaching academy where she certifies service oriented, heart centered and faith based leaders as life coaches. Betsy is a walking, living symbol of hope for so many people around the world, and I'm so excited to have her here today. Hi, Betsy. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I can't wait to dive into your story. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to finally be here as well. Yay. Okay. So I want to start here. I would love to start with your beautiful daughter. So can you tell us a little bit about her? What was she like? What was her name? What was the things that you just loved so much about her? My daughter was my second and she, her name is Veronica Isabel Guerra, but we called her Fofi, F-O-F-I. And she, she was extremely joyful, funny as can be. She, my husband would always say that she was the funniest girl he knew. She was charismatic and she was she could be very girly and have like you know play dress up with her sister and have all the necklaces and 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 jewelry and makeup ever but she was also a little tomboyish like so she would like roll around the grass with her brother and just play outside and she was a perfect balance and she was mine she was mine she was my girl my oldest was obsessed with her dad, but she was obsessed with me. So she was, she loved me. She loved me. And her hair, her hair was curly. So that was like one of her signature features. Everybody, some people call her frofy because like her curls <laughs> would like look like a fro sometimes. Oh my goodness. She's, she just, she's like a little sunshine, a, a ray of light continues to be by the way. Mm, I love that. I love that, that she continues to shine her light, even though she's not here in the physical world, she's still here shining her light for you. So when you say that she's still shining her light, what does that mean for you? When people, I believe, I believe in eternity. I believe we're infinite beings. And I think this life earthly life is like like labor you know when and I've heard this story before so it's it's not mine I wish I knew who to credit for it when when you're when you're pregnant the baby is in your womb and is like so happy like oh my gosh I love this I can hear mommy's heartbeat and it's warm and delicious and cozy and then like when labor time comes up it's like like what's going on Let's go, you know, like all these contractions and all these things happening. And you're like, whoa, what, why are you disturbing my peace? What's going on? And then they come out into the world and it's like, what? It's cold. And what's that light? And where's mom and the heartbeat? And, and the baby is like, oh, what is this? And then eventually the baby latches onto mommy's breast and is, you know, being fed by mommy and can hear the heartbeat again and is swaddled in a blanket and it feels cozy and delicious. And as he or she grows older, they, you know, babies feel like, oh my gosh, like I can get all the attention I need and I can walk and I can crawl and I can do all these things on my own. And wow, these foods are really delicious. And 
Like they start seeing a world that is like, oh, this is so much better than the womb. How could I ever want it to stay there? And, and then life goes on and we feel the same way about death than we felt about labor, I imagine, right? We're like, oh my gosh, Sierra, like, what do you mean? Like, you know, we're so attached to what is right now that we fear the uncertainty of what can be, even if it's better. So I, I'm, I'm a woman of faith. I believe in God. I love God with all my heart and all my soul. And I, and I, I believe my daughter is with our heavenly father and she is, she's, she's light and she's life and she's eternal. And, and I, of course, I had to do some work to believe that because, you know, we believe in heaven, but nobody wants to die. If we truly believe in heaven, we nobody would be scared of, of dying, right? So I had to do some spiritual work to believe that wholeheartedly. And to know that she that she was she was well because my life, my family is heaven on earth. So I, I couldn't understand, you know, this thing that they say, like, oh, she's in a better place. Well, she couldn't have been in a better place than my house, than my home, I thought. Like, we have a really joyous, happy, love, full of love, full of love at home. Our home is is like a little fairy tale for real. And there was no lullaby I didn't sing to her, no book I didn't read, no no kisses and hugs I didn't give her. So it was it was hard. It was hard at some point to believe that she was better. And, you know, people say a lot of things when you lose someone that you just want to punch them in the face and be like, like even the nicest things like, oh, God needed a little have a little angel in heaven. I'm like, God has enough angels. OK, God has enough angels. And I believe God didn't do this to me, by the way, if I may. Like, I, I don't think God got creator or does things that are painful because God is a God of love and mercy, I believe. So. But he welcomes them when they get there, they, you know, when things happen in life. And I and I believe I imagine her, you know, those Anne Gettys, like little angels and the cards that are like looking down at, you know, from heaven. I imagine my daughter looking down on us. And for some time, especially while I was grieving, I pictured her being so sad and being like, mom don't you get it I'm okay mom I'm happy like and 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 I that inspired me to be a better mom to her and be like you know I don't want to create pain for my daughter I also heard another story I'm ranting now but I also heard another story of um, a woman who was allowed to go to heaven to see her daughter and she was standing there and she was seeing a lot of angels with a candle that was lit and they would, you know, they would go around and they all had smiley faces and were joyous and their their candle, their light was on. And suddenly she sees her daughter and her daughter was the only one with the candle who was off and she wasn't joyous and smiling. And she asked God, like, hey, what happened to my angel? What happened to my daughter? And God was like, well, she's she's really sad for you because of all the suffering you're engaging in. So so she's, you know, her light is off. And I was like, oh my gosh, no. So life is an interpretation in the end. So all these little t- stories I tell myself that anybody can question and you're right in questioning because they are stories. They're stories. They're not necessarily true, but they're stories that allow me to, to live the fulfilling life that I know she would want me to live. And it, they allow me to honor my daughter, not through suffering like we're taught by society, but through service, through love, and through gratitude. Mm. And, and that's, I'm determined. That's a decision I made. I made that decision that I was going to honor my daughter in that way and not, and not through suffering. That doesn't mean I didn't experience a heck of a lot of pain because you the only way around pain is through so i i define healing as feeling 
And I've been in, in clinical psychology for over 20 years. And I, and I've witnessed that I'm, I've witnessed how the way the healing is feeling. So I have experienced a lot of excruciating pain, like this hope that you may feel now did not come from the beginning. I'm lying. Hope was always present. I always knew that I was going to be okay because I, I knew that pain is only the path. It's never the destination. So I always knew that there was hope, but I didn't experience it. I, I mean, it didn't prevent me from experiencing the pain. Right. Okay. So you say that your life was like this fairy tale. There was lots of joy. Home was home, sweet home. Um, so then what was it like that day? And then, and then the days following where you, you have to walk through the pain before you got to this point. So we were at the pool having, we were, we have a lot of family members and we have a lot of friends that are like family and we were building a new terrace in the backyard. We had a pool. It was the end of the summer. So we wanted to celebrate and enjoy the backyard before we started construction. So we invited family and friends over and I was in the pool. Actually, I was, I was in the kitchen and my Fofi, my daughter, came to me and she's like, mami, yo quiero estar donde tú estás, which meant, mami, I want to be where you're at. She she only spoke Spanish. And I'm like, okay. So I am grateful to God every day that I immediately said yes. And I went to be, to go to the pool with her. So we're in the pool. My husband's there with us. We're, you know, we're playing what we call the cheerleading game, which means that my husband would put his, my our daughters in on his shoulders no, I'm sorry. He he would put me on his shoulders. Then I would have my our daughters in my shoulders. And it was like a whole like tower. And so we were playing that. Then, you know, people started to, you know, continue to come over. She went to play with her friends at the edge of the pool. And I was in the pool. My husband was barbecuing at that point. When a friend... I'm speaking to asks me like, where's Fofi? And at that moment, like my heart started pounding. Like there was no reason, rational reason for me to be scared. Right. Like, but like, I was like, like I started looking everywhere in panic and my heart's pounding. And I'm like, I'm looking for her and I can't find her. And I I didn't see her where she was at, at the edge with her friends. And, and I'm like, I'm like freaking out. And then suddenly I realized she's next, right next to me, but at the bottom of the pool. So I went into the water and I like, I like, I clutched her against my chest and I brought her up. And I remember like the, the gravity and the pressure of the water, like going against us. And it was harder, harder than I would think like to get her out. And I, and I finally put her on the edge of the pool and I, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm giving her what I think is CPR. I, I, I at this point, I don't even know if I'm doing it right. I had a friend who was a medical doctor from, you know, the emergency room and she was there at our house and she came and gave her CPR. We called 911 like and as soon as she was being attended to by my friend who was a doctor and we had called 911, I just went to a corner and I just prayed and prayed and prayed and I'm like, "God, please save her. God, please save her. I know you'll save her. God, you'll save her. Please save her." She had pulse. She like she was going to be okay. She was going to I had a, I had a doc an ER doctor at my house. Like she was going to be okay. So I I just I just prayed. I just prayed because I'm like, "I want to show God. I have a whole lot of faith." And I, I, I want to open up, open up to his miracle. And I just, I just believed wholeheartedly that she was going to be okay. She was going to be okay. So the doctor was there. The emer- the the nine one one ambulance came in like what felt like five minutes, super fast. Like we're 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 next to the hospital. Like everything was perfect for her to be saved. So we went in the ambulance. Like we're, I'm still soaking wet, and and I and I. And I hear the sirens like in the in the background, but they were really right there. Like it was, it, everything was a blur. 
And I, and I'm just, I, I can't even talk to anyone because I'm just praying, praying, praying. Please save her, God. Please save her. Let me finish my job, God. Like I'm raising her for you. Please save her, God. Please save her. And we got to the hospital and she, she was in the, um, I can't even think of the word right now. And the little, the little bed, the, what's it called? That little bed like for the incubator. No, 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 no. She's almost or... three years old. She was in the little hospital bed. Um, the 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 stretcher. She was in the the, the little stretcher, and she she's connected to a monitor and the, the doctors uh, like all of them are like just working on her working on her working on her and I am I'm looking at it but like like as an out-of-body experience and I'm just I'm just praying I'm like God please save her God please save her save her God please save her God and at some point I look at the monitor and there's a straight line in the monitor and I don't I don't know how to read this at this point and and I'm looking at it. I'm like, is is that a is that a flat line? Like, is 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 that what I think it is? So I start praying, like, make her heartbeat, God, make her heartbeat, please, make her heartbeat, make her heartbeat. And at some point, I'm like, I just, just God, give me something I can repeat in prayer, so I don't have to think because I I, I couldn't, I couldn't think anymore. And the the prayer that came to mind was I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when I heard that, I was like, no, no, that meant she wasn't going to make it. And that's not what I'm asking for. So I was like, no, that I thought it was lack of faith, right? Like, I'm like, no, 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 God, just kidding. I'm not going to say that. Don't worry. Like, please make her heartbeat, make her heartbeat, God, make her heartbeat. And then I had a thought, I think it was a I think God spoke to me and 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 it was, you know, I could save, I could make her heartbeat, but she may not be the Fofi, you know. And I thought about my sister. My sister was born well. And at nine months, she had a high fever convulsions due to rubella. And, and, you know, she, she went into a coma and she wasn't supposed to make it, but God did make her heartbeat and saved her. But she has severe mental retardation and epilepsy and, you know, and it's all these things that have, have been hard. They've been hard. And I know that firsthand because I grew up with my sister. My sister's the oldest. And I, I had that thought and I was like, I don't care. I don't care. She's my daughter. Make her heartbeat. I don't care. I'm going to love her anyway. And then, you know, the people think prayer is to change God's mind and to tell him what to do. But the guy is God. So really, prayer doesn't change his mind. Prayer changes us. And in that term of, I don't, I don't even know if it was minutes or hours. I, I don't know. I don't know how long it was. But in that process of me praying after bringing her out of the water to to the to to leaving the the hospital i experienced the prayer transformation that's why i'm such a fan and it went from like god do what i'm telling you i haven't finished my job with my daughter like save her uh, to like make her heart beat to after experiencing that second sign of my sister i was I found myself and I don't I didn't intentionally say this but I must have been guided to it in in my opening up to being like being guided I I said like you know make her heartbeat please God do this do that but let it and let it be your will like it like it just it like came out of my mind I, I didn't intend for that cuz I I sure did not want any will that wasn't mine to take place and but I said that, I said that. And shortly after I fell on my knees, I also didn't intend to do this. I fell on my knees next to the stretcher and I and I am like in surrender uh, is the best way I can. A, a lot of this was a blur. Like I had to revisit it when I was writing my book to be able to put it into words. But I, I fell on my knees and I started singing to myself, to myself a song 
of hope a song that i used as a lullaby i'm not a really good singer but for some reason i swear that i can sing this particular song so i would sing it as a lullaby to my daughter and i would sing it to my ex-boyfriend when he was going through like really difficult times i would sing it to him like as a way of like calming him down and like bringing hope and and it was there's a part of the song it's in spanish there's a, there's a part of the song that said soon the night will pass with its terror and the the sun will lighten up your heart fear not suffer not um you know soon the i'm sorry i'm, I'm like singing in spanish and then translating soon the the sun will will brighten up your day your heart your you know like bring love back bring light back it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful song. So I found myself singing that hope song to myself and connecting the first message of I can do all things and and knowing. I, like at that point, I had a sense of knowing that she was not going to be saved the way I wanted her to be saved. And the doctors were still working on her. And I remember my husband at some point looking at me and being like, baby, they're trying something new this time, this time, this is going to work. This is going to work. And I'm just on my knees knowing. And at that point, I remember I had, I, I for, for a second, because obviously it wasn't sustainable, but for a second, I had accepted this was happening. And seeing my husband with hope was heart wrenching because I was, I'm the dreamer. I'm the la la land kind of girl. Like he's the he's the reality guy. He's like put your feet on earth. He's he's the one that brings me die down and down to earth, not down like in general. He's he, he definitely elevates me. So seeing him being the hopeful one, I was so painful. Like I was I was so heartbroken for him too. And then the doctors gave us that look, and left the room. And life as I knew it was over. I was over. It was over. I wanted, I, I wanted, I wanted to die too. I wanted to go with her. I, you know, leaving the hospital without your child feels like you're abandoning your baby. Like, you know, it, it was, it was excruciating. And that night, that night, there was no hope. That night, I understood darkness. I understood why people go crazy. I, I, I was able. To, I don't know. I finally fell asleep, and I we went to sleep. My husband and I to her room, which she shared with my older daughter. And in the middle of the night, I, I don't even know how I got there, but my husband found me rocking back and forth like a deranged woman on the, my daughter's bathroom floor and I remember while I was there being like I need to rip my head off because I couldn't I could not survive the darkness of my thoughts and the reality and and it was like I I was trying to pull my hair thinking that I could pull out my my mind my brain and just just stop thinking and stop realizing that this was real and I, I, if if I would have spent more than that night in that state, I would have gone crazy. Like I, I understood. Like you know, you understand. And clinically, I, I have a doctorate in clinical psychology. Like I understood clinically that that people may go crazy and lose contact with reality. But it wasn't until that moment that I really, un I knew it. I didn't understand it. I understood it that day. And I had no hope that day. I didn't think I could live without her. I didn't think I could smile ever again. And I had two other children at the time. I, I, my husband literally, literally carried me back to my bed. He was, he was, he was literally like an angel. Like he, he came and physically grabbed me and held me, took me back to back to bed. And then hope started the next day. Well, when I woke up, I was like, the sun was 
up and people are going to work and life is going on. And I'm like, I never cursed, but I was like, WTF, like, like life just ended. Like, how dare you son come out? Like, hello, like, can you just, can you stop and give me time to like grieve and feel this thing? Can you let it be the last day that I saw my daughter forever? Like, can you like, hold on? And, and it didn't. So I was pissed at the sun for coming out. But then the, the priest who baptized my children was, he's, he's love in a body. He's like a, he's a face of Christ to me. And he came to visit and we, we were hiding in the walk-in closet because we had a lot of people in our home and we were overwhelmed. So my husband and I were literally in our walk-in closet like just sitting down, looking at each other, like trying to understand what was happening. And the priest who came to visit wasn't, we invited him into our little space and he was sitting with us in the walk-in closet. And he, my husband asked him like, father, is it possible to be happy again? Can we ever be happy again? You've seen this before. Is it possible? And he said, for some people it is. And for some people it isn't. And he was like, what's the difference? And he said, the people who are never happy again are people who choose to honor their loved ones through suffering. They think that the more they suffer and grieve and and cry, the more they loved. And that's what society teaches us. Like, oh, look, she really loved him because look, she hasn't been able to move on. Right? like, that's how we measure love. It's through tears. And then he said, and the people who are happy again are those who choose to honor their loved one in different ways through love gratitude service they 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 choose love in a different way so they are able to give themselves permission to to heal because they're loving by doing by loving and grieving and, and you know experiencing gratitude and serving others and using their pain for for the service of others. And I remember that day, at that moment, I know this in hindsight, I didn't know this was happening as it was happening, but I had the thought, which was the decision, I am going to be like the people who are happy again. I am going to honor my daughter that way. It As soon as that conversation was over, I saw myself in the mirror and I was still the grieving mom who lost her daughter. I wasn't, I wasn't that person that I chose. I decided I was going to be, but that became my hope. I knew it was possible. I trusted this guy. And I hope you listening to me, if you can connect to this, please trust me. I Please trust me when I tell you, you can be happy again. You can love and honor your person through love, gratitude, service. You, you can. It doesn't have to be through suffering. Suffering is the easy way out. Everybody experiences suffering naturally. So suffering is easy. It's like the, it's it's the easy way out. I don't, I'm willing to do more than that for my daughter. I'm willing to rise up for her. And people don't realize that. They think like, oh, you know, I'm going to grieve forever because they think if they're not grieving, they forget her or they, or they're moving on and, and, and you can move forward without leaving behind. My daughter continues to be a part of my every single day life. I love her. I speak to her every day. We have a, an angel full feet prayer that my kids pray every single night. They won't go to sleep unless we pray that all together. And she's just, she's part of my life. A lot of what I do at work, I have a, a grief program. I don't like calling it grief program, but for communication purposes, it's a hope program. It's called Her to Hope, like my book. And I I I do that for her. I do that for her. And it's it's my it's my quality time with her. It's my it's what I, you know, I take my kids to basketball and gymnastics and you know, parties and all these things. And and her, I I serve people. I serve people. That's my way of taking her to her sport or doing something for her. Mm. So she she's she's a part of our lives. We're always a party of six. We had a daughter after losing her. So I have four children in total. 
And we're always a party of six. My daughter, who never met her, the little one, is obsessed with her sister. Like, we've spoken so much about her. And, she, like, my kids are not scared of death. They're actually, like, they, they're, like, so pure and, and, and faithful. And they believe in heaven wholeheartedly. And they can't wait. They can't wait to go to heaven with her. So it's so it's like a beautiful thing too, spiritually speaking. My children are feel like closer to God. They helped me. They helped me be more like them in in my journey as well. And and yeah, that was the day I decided, and that became my north star. And even though I didn't experience the fruits of it immediately, I it was there was no other way there was no other way because when we decide decide comes from the word decidere which means to remove all other possibilities so when we decide that we're going to rise above this adversity loss pain whatever it is that we're going through what we're doing is we're removing the possibilities of not overcoming this so with time, I was guided. That, that's like setting an intention. Like a decision is like setting an intention. So I intended to be the mom who honored her daughter through service, love, and gratitude, and who was happy again, and and who used her pain for service as opposed to wasting it and dwelling on it. And I, when I when I intended to do that, I opened up myself like it, it was almost like consenting to the presence and action of the holy spirit within you so that you could be guided towards that goal so as time went by i i just i was guided i was guided to joy and here i am i am the happiest woman on earth i i i, I sometimes think like my gosh i think i'm god's favorite this isn't fair like i think i'm getting all the blessings and then i remember like wait a minute it wasn't always that way but I promise there are times that I go to sleep and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is my life. I love my life. I feel I'm so full of joy. Like it's it's annoying sometimes. It's annoying. But it's it's possible. And that and that's the hope that, you know, people listening into like this this tragedy that you went through, um, going through the pain that you had made that decision for yourself. And what a blessing that you got that message that day that th there's another way that, that there's another way that you can honor her and it doesn't have to be suffering. Um, so when was the first time you laughed or smiled again? And, and what did people that were surrounding you think of this decision as they watched you and maybe what they ex expected you, how they expected you to behave maybe wasn't exactly how you were as you were grieving what was that kind of like for you it was it was a journey and I had moments of joy uh, which I really call hope because when you're in that kind of hurt that's why I, my book is hurt to hope as opposed to hurt to happy because when you're hurting that badly you can't even imagine happy so I was like you know let's do hope and then from there, elevate to happy. And I, but I had moments of smiling, you know, early on, I had moments. And those moments increased in frequency as time went by. I would say the first year was, was hard, even though there were moments, there were moments of joy and smiles. The first year was hard. It was the first of everything. And and I, I, yeah, it was, that was hard. But, but the hope and the moments fueled me to carry and continue on. And some people, most people who knew my heart and my faith admired the way I was going over it and going, you know, like experiencing my grief. And they, you know, they would say like, oh, you're so strong. And I wanted to shove the strength, strength, you know, where, because in my mind, what they were saying is like, you're strong because you lost your daughter. But now I realize 
I understand what they were seeing. They were seeing that I had the option to just dwell on my misery and I chose not to. But at the time, I thought that was the only option I had. And I, you know, so so most people would tell me I'm like what I got later on and I learned later on was people were watching and they were thinking, well, she could do that. I can do this, too. And and I know this because I had access to a lot of them through through my career. I'm a, I was, you know, I'm a psychotherapist, so I and I have a private practice, so I was seeing a lot of these people who were going through this pain, and they were like, "I would see you," and I would always think, like, "Well, she can do that. I can overcome my anxiety. If she could do that, I can overcome this problem that I'm in. If she could do that, then I can do this too, right?" Like, so they were looking at me for for reference and 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 for hope. Thank God. <laughs> like, Thank God he shined his hope through me because if not, I would have disappointed a lot of people I realize now. But others judged me. Others were like, what kind of mom was she if she's able to move forward and be like that? Like, I mean, even I remember an aunt of mine was like, I couldn't understand why you were like that. Like, I, I was, you know, what kind of mom is she was the judgment. And and it's okay. It, it's okay either way. Like people, but you don't see the world the way the world is. You see the people, the world, the way you are, right? Like, because you have to filter information. So it, it was, I was, you know, pain is so self-centered that it was, it was hard for me to even see what other people are thinking or feeling. I know this in hindsight, but at the moment it, it, it didn't matter at the moment what they thought or felt, I, I was oblivious to it, if you will. It was, I was too busy feeling. So, but I, but I, I, I felt blessed because I was surrounded by people who were willing to be with Debbie Downer, you know, and, and, and be my friends anywhere, anyway. And I, since I knew the importance of feeling, I, whenever someone said, you know, you have to be strong or don't cry or whatever, I would correct them <laughs> very assertively. I, you know, I would say like, you know, you, you let me feel this. This is, this I'm healing. And I, I know we're running out of time. So I'm just going to say this super briefly because I have like a five step um, recipe to help you rise above any adversity. It's more in detail in my book. So, you know, and I have actually, before I forget, I have a free video series that explains it more deeply and it's on hurt the number two hope.com slash faith f-a-i-t-h it hurt the number two hope.com slash faith so if you know i'm gonna say it super quick just so that i can give you some of this value but your people can also go and get that for free um but i use the faith method which i came up with and I came up with it after experiencing it myself and witnessing in so many of my clients. So this works. This is like super powerful. And faith is an acronym. It's the F in faith stands for fertilizing pain. When you view pain as a fertilizer, what are fertilizers made of? Um, crap. <laughs> yep. Fertilizer made of poop. Yeah. And they feel like crap. They stink like it. You know, like the pain... Pain feels like it too. Pain feels like crap. Pain is is poop. But like a fertilizer, it nourishes you. It helps you grow. It gives you fruit. It builds resilience, wisdom. It 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 helps you be the embodiment and a testament of hope to others. So viewing pain as a fertilizer gives you hope while you're enduring it. And it also reminds you that pain is never the destination. It is only the path. There's like, you know, for us Christians, we don't stay in Good Friday. There's Easter, right? Like you go through Good Friday, but there's Easter. There's resurrection. There's rising up. There's overcoming. There's shining. So if you're in pain, you're not there yet. This is just nurturing, fertilizing you so that you may become the person you were created to be and live in the purpose God created you to be in. And so so view, viewing pain as a fertilizer is for you to know that this is temporary 
and for you to have the hope that something good is happening, healing is happening and rising and strengthening and resilience and all the good things are coming from it. A is acceptance. Acceptance, acceptance is the process through which we remove the resistance that is often causing more pain than the original pain itself. What that means is me thinking like, I can't believe she died. I can't be, that can't be she was here. I would look at videos and pictures every day. Like, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. She was real. I could touch her. Look, look, she's smiling in this picture and she's talking in this video. And I, and I just couldn't accept that she left. And I'm like, she was too young. She was, I was, she was supposed to bury me not the other way around. Like, what were you thinking? Like, all those things that we tell ourselves as to what's supposed to be as opposed to what is and what was is resistance. It's us fighting reality. And the last time I checked, we cannot win against reality. So acceptance is the process through which we accept or welcome what is as is by removing the resistance that we create with our beliefs that it wasn't supposed to be that way. And acceptance removes a lot of the pain and, and suffering that comes with this because we were no longer fighting reality, which, you know, every time you get a response like, you know, that you that you lose against it, that creates more pain. So I would I would rather just feel the pain of having lost my daughter and missing her than have that pain compounded with how it happened and how could it happen and all these questions that had no answer yet. Maybe one day I'll get them. And, you know, and just, just focus on healing this. So acceptance is a really powerful thing that you can proactively pursue. It's not a stage that you finally arrive at after going through the four stages, other stages of grief that that's, of grief. That's, that's not how it works. You can proactively choose to accept. And just by saying like, I fully accept this moment exactly the way it is. You're, you're in a line and they're taking forever and you're about to lose your flight because this person is taking forever to pay. You, I fully accept this moment exactly the way it is. You're in traffic and instead of fighting and having road rage, I fully accept this moment exactly the way that it is. Like you, you have the ability to proactively pursue acceptance and remove resistance. So you can use all your energy to heal and to feel. That's the I in, in faith stands for interpretation. Life is an interpretation. Life is neutral. Nothing is either good or bad except how you interpret it. So if even Shakespeare said this, nothing is either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. So when we think, I'll give you an example. I'll give you two examples, a simple one and then mine. If you're in traffic, you're stuck in traffic and you're like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. I'm going to get there late and Miami sucks. This traffic sucks. You know, and you start freaking out about it. You, you know, you're not going to get the guards to move because you're having road rage. You're, you're just going to make your life miserable. If you decide to reframe, change the perspective with which you're looking at traffic and think like, oh my gosh. This is a good lesson. Next time I'm going to leave a little earlier and I get to listen to the podcast I've been wanting to listen to. Like, can this podcast, you guys, you get to listen to it in traffic. If you get there too soon, you won't be able to finish it, right? So then you get to reframe it as like, oh, traffic is the time that I have to myself and I can listen to my podcast or call my friend or my mom or just catch up on, you know, talking to the people I haven't spoken to in forever or just be still unless you have your kids in the car and they're driving you crazy and then it's not as fun, but just, just, just carry along with me. Um, so, so, you know, but you, some people may think, oh, Betsy, I can reframe traffic. That's easy. But how do you reframe losing your daughter? And when I first lost Fofi, my interpretation was, this can't be. She was supposed to bury me. How could this happen? I hadn't finished my job. Like, she was too young. Like, you know, I can't live without her. I want to die. Like, those were my interpretations of her loss. And I carried myself around, like, moping you know, like the grieving mom who lost a daughter and can never be happy again. But when I shifted that perspective, when I reframed it into, I am the chosen mother of an angel. I am VIP in heaven. She, I got whatever I want because she goes to God and she's like, you know, mommy needs a little hookup. And he's like, you're so cute. Of course, I'm going to give you whatever you ask for. So I imagine all these things and I'm like, 
oh my gosh, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. Like people nowadays, when they first learn, learn about my story, they're like, oh, poor thing. I'm like, poor you. Poor you. Because you didn't have the opportunity to rise up and become the better version of yourself that I've been able to become because of it and be VIP in heaven and have hookups there. Like I'm like, come on, you wish you were in my shoes. So reframing changes the emotion. It changes the, the the perspective it changes your life you choose you can choose to change your life without anything changing I couldn't bring her back which is what I desired but I could bring hope back I could reframe I could change the perspective so that's I and faith the T stands for team and this is about choosing the right people to surround yourself by you know when people when the adversity or the loss is divorce for example choose the attorney that's in alignment with your values choose the attorney that's going to want to like support your family if that's what's important to you as opposed to screwing up your spouse you know choose people who are going to support your values and your the outcome that you desire not get you what you think you want at the moment and just just choose people in alignment choose people who elevate you surround yourself by by those who have been in pain and have been able to overcome and are, are, are steps ahead of you. Find coaches and therapists who are in alignment with you and can support you the way you desire to be supported. Team is really important. They say the people we surround ourselves by, we become more like, and that's true. People rub off on you. So if you're in a, if you're in a support group of other grieving parents or like that, that's what happened to me. I went to a support group of grieving parents to speak. I went to speak at a at one of the meetings and everybody went around saying, defining themselves by their loss, saying like, no, my daughter died 10 years ago. And my, you know, and this is how my son died. And this one committed suicide. And the other one um, choked on a piece of meat in a restaurant. And, and they said all these things that happened six, seven, eight, 10 years ago. And, one, and until they came to the last one who said, you know, we just have to accept that we're part of a club we never chose to be a part of. And I was like, whoa, I ain't going to be part of that club. I'm going to make my own club. So I did. Her to Hope is my own club. People who have experienced loss and are willing to rise above it stronger and better for it and are going to use that pain to elevate other people's lives. Like, you don't have to be part of a club you never chose to be a part of just because of what happened to you. You can interpret, reinterpret so that you can choose, decide, decidere, remove all other possibilities, what you wholeheartedly desire for your life. And H in faith stands for habits. And habits is about the habits are automations, right? Things that happen automatically. So if you engage in healthy habits, like, exercise, eating healthy, meditating, praying, um, you know, moving your body, like in whichever way, like if you engage in all those spiritual, physical, mental habits that serve you, then that's collaborating with your healing because that automat automatically supports you so that you can use all your energy to focus on your healing, which is feeling, right? So, so, you know, moving your body gives you a shot of dopamine. Hugging a person and, and going out and spending some time with your loved ones gives you a shot of oxytocin. And all these are feel-good hormones that are going to at least elevate your mood while you're going through the pain. And that gives you hope. That reminds you that this is not the destination. So you can have pockets and moments of, of hope and joy and smiles that help you get up get out of bed every day so that's faith and the reason it's a it's called, it's a faith acronym and not anything else is because if you have no faith in this process in the people supporting you in yourself your ability to do hard things and if you don't have faith in a higher power call it what you will my 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 higher power is god i'm i love him i'm obsessed with him i cannot not mention him but some people call it universe or or energy, source energy, or source, or and that's okay. Like, I don't think God has any complexes, and he, you know, he, he can be called whatever you want to call him. You know, maybe God is not the name, and I, that's what I named him, right? So, 
so there's there's no religion here there's no judgment here whatever higher source even if it's that higher version of yourself believe in it have faith in that you'll be guided by that source towards your like using your north star of like okay you 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 get to set the intention because you have free will you use you know use your free will to set the intention this is what my life is going to look like and then be guided by that by that by that higher source have faith in it because if you don't have faith then you're not really wholeheartedly going to practice any of this wow. so that's faith for you if you want to check it out hurt the number two hope.com slash faith absolutely beautiful like what a blessing the world um has your gift of, of just you're like i said in the intro like a walking symbol of hope like it's like you radiate that hope that you know somebody can just grab a teeny tiny piece of that's all that they need is that small little nugget of it which you radiate so beautifully to to realize that they too can um not arrive at this destination. It's not the destination of pain that they too can walk through it and just be guided to an even more incredible place than they, than they could even imagine that it does exist. And people live that reality and you are, and you help guide others there. So I just think you're just so incredible, all the things that you've, that you do and offer. So Thank you for sharing uh, Fofi and your story um, of this beautiful little angel that you have, the access, the VIP that you have in heaven um, and vulnerably going into your story and sharing um, all about her and what you do, because um, I think if that's, that's what we need, that will guide us to the next step is the little, little bit of hope. So lastly, where can everybody connect with you? Um, follow you, grab your book um, and see if maybe there's something that you're offering that might be the next right thing for them. So my main website is betterwithbetsy.com. And there you can find all my programs. There's, you know, there's the Hurt to Hope program that I've mentioned is hurtnumber2hope.com, but you can find it there too. And I have a faith-based coaching academy where I certify life coaches who want to do the work that I do so that we can like spread hope and shine our lights through throughout. And that's on faith-based coachingacademy.com. But everything can be found in Better With Betsy. And my social media is Better With Betsy as well. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. So yeah, that's where you can find me. And I'm happy to support you further if there's anything I can do for you. Well, thank you again. And thank you for being this beacon of hope um, and just radiating your light. And uh, Fofi, you can just feel her like shining through you. So thank you so much. I loved every second of it. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of All Things Relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.